For those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Eric Ajo. I serve here as the junior high pastor at Coram Dale. I'm incredibly grateful to Pastor Rob for the opportunity to preach to you guys this morning as he and Becky wrap up their time of vacation. I love working with the junior high students at our church. They are some of the most uh, thirsty and hungry for the word of the Lord around here. And we get to do some incredible, crazy things in the ministry as well. In fact, right before summer camp, we took a group of students on our annual trip called the QC Plunge. I have a picture of the team I want to show you guys. This is a group of students of seventh and eighth grade, and we went out for about three days right here in the Quad Cities. During this time frame, they visited a lot of different ministries. They got to hear from different ministry leaders, from refugees, missionaries, even those struggling with addiction. And the whole goal of this time frame was to help them see who their neighbor is within our community and how God is calling them to love that neighbor. They, list, they went with the four goals of listening, learning, serving, and returning. During this time frame, they listened. So these ministry leaders would share about the ministry to them, give them an idea of how it got started, what God was doing. And from that time frame, the students learned. They learned not only that life isn't necessarily what they have experienced up to this point, but it's much bigger, in fact. And the fact that God is doing some incredible things within our community. They also then got to serve. They served alongside of these same ministry leaders. They got to know the individuals within our community. And they got to show them the love of Christ through that time. When they came back, we challenge all the students to return, meaning we want them not just to hear or to experience what they've gone through on this trip, but to apply it to their lives. To say, okay, I've had my eyes opened. I see that God is doing some incredible things within the Quad Cities. Now what's he calling me to do? What does he want me to do in return? Many would look at the individuals that these students served on the trip as outcasts. What I mean by that is that these individuals are often found on the outskirts of society. Perhaps they're even looked down upon or rejected. Many times people avoid them on a day-to-day -day basis. And unfortunately, this attitude can even be found within church world as well. There are many groups of people who fit this outcast category. It could be anyone from those in poverty to those struggling with substance abuse, those who are former inmates, even those who maybe just seem unpopular or, or don't seem to fit in with the church crowd. They're outcasts in that sense. As we go through this message, I don't want you to think of one particular group of people. Instead, I want you to examine your life. Think through the people that you have run into Think through, in fact, even the people within our community that might fall within this outcast category. As we worked to prepare the students for what was going to happen on this trip, we took time to look at a very particular passage in Scripture about how Jesus treated the outcast in his life. If you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand and one of our ushers will get that to you this morning. Now, up to this point in his gospel, Mark has been describing how Jesus has started preaching, how he was healing people, how he was casting out demons. 
And because of that, more and more people were hearing about Jesus and seeking him out. And at one point, a leper comes to Jesus, looking to be healed by him. Now this term leprosy, it can apply to a whole lot of different skin diseases. Some of the worst ones cause physical deformities to the individual. But the absolute worst part of this leprosy disease is that they were ceremonially unclean under Old Testament law, meaning they could no longer be around the people but were pushed to the outskirts of society. Leviticus 13, 45 through 46 teaches that the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling place shall be outside the camp. What we have here is basically the epitome of someone labeled an outcast, someone on the outskirts, someone who is rejected and alone. But then he hears about Jesus, and he comes seeking him. Look with me at Mark 1, verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Now pause right there. Notice that the leper doesn't doubt Jesus' ability to heal him. He believes that Jesus has that power. He has faith that Jesus can heal him. But you can hear the doubt in his voice. You can hear the doubt in his question. Would Jesus be willing to heal him? You see, at this point, I have to imagine he's experienced lots of rejection before. And at this point, he comes to Jesus and wonders, will he be any different than those around me? Look at me at verse 41 through 45. Moved with pity, he, Jesus, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And the people were coming to him from every quarter. You see, under Old Testament law, somebody who was healed from leprosy had to appear to the priest to be examined. If they were found to be clean, they would offer up a sacrifice and be declared so under the law that they were clean. They could rejoin society at that point. Jesus tells the man to obey this command, to go and show himself to the priest. But he doesn't stop there. He does something else. He tells the man not to tell anyone about what Jesus had just done. Now to our ears, that might sound a little strange. Why would Jesus not want anyone to hear about this absolutely amazing miracle that has just taken place? 
Well, most likely, according to this passage, in the context we read around it, Jesus didn't want a great number of people seeking him out just for miracles. That wasn't his purpose in coming here. His purpose was to share about the kingdom of God, to share ultimately the gospel. The miracles pointed to the authenticity of his message and the idea that this is the gospel truth, but the focus wasn't supposed to be on the miracles. Unfortunately, the the leper does the exact opposite and tells everyone about what Jesus had just done. Now, perhaps he was just excited. I know I would be if I was in his shoes at that point. But because of what he had just done, Jesus was forced to live in isolated or desolate places to avoid the great crowds that were seeking him out for miracles. We don't know for sure if this is something that Mark was emphasizing in his gospel. But this whole moment is a great example, a great picture of what Jesus was ultimately going to do on the cross for us. It's a picture of the gospel. You see, all of us, every single person, falls into this outcast category because of our sin. All of us have disobeyed the Lord, and we were lost in that sin. And many would have looked at the sin in our lives, would have turned away from us in disgust over the things that we have done with our lives. But Jesus did something different. Jesus came to this earth and he died for our sins so that we could be accepted by God. Just like Jesus healed the leper and essentially traded places with the man so that he could be accepted by society while Jesus was rejected. It's a picture of the gospel. And today, guys, the challenge that we have, are we going to follow in the footsteps of our Savior? Are we going to follow the example that he has laid out for us and, in fact, show the same love that he first showed us? As Jesus' followers today, we need to love the outcasts around us just as Jesus did. And to do that, we first need to grow in our compassion for the outcast. We first need to grow in our compassion for the outcast. Notice what is said at the first part of verse 41. Moved with pity. Jesus had pity on the man, meaning he had compassion for him. He felt his pain. He felt sympathy towards him. His heart went out to the man in the midst of his suffering, and he wanted to help him. We have to have that same heart towards the outcast around us as well. Unfortunately, too many times in our flesh, in our sinful selves, that isn't our default response. We instead will often jump to judgment or to excuses about why that person is in that situation and why they don't deserve our help. We look at the sin in their life and we secretly think they got what they deserve. 
We look at what they're going through, and we think it's just justice at work. You can hear the self-righteousness in those thought processes. They may indeed have done some horrible things in their life. They may indeed be experiencing the consequences of those choices. But that does not mean that we cannot have compassion for them, that our heart shouldn't go out to them in their suffering and caring for them just as Jesus first cared for us. How could we do any less to the outcast around us when we have first experienced the love of Christ? Others in these situations have never done anything to even deserve what they're going through. Often they were born into that situation. Others are experiencing the consequences of others' sinful choices in their lives. And for whatever the reason that they're in that moment, we're called to show compassion to them, just as Jesus did to the leper. The question is, how do we grow a heart of compassion? How do we grow a heart of compassion for those that are around us? Well, for one, we need to ask God for his help to see people as he sees them, to look at the outcast around us as Jesus looks at them. This is a human being made in the image of God, deeply, deeply loved by the Lord, and he is valuable to him. He is not trash. He is not someone to gloss over, to throw away. In fact, he is precious in God's sight. The more we look at people the way that God sees them, the more our hearts will be softened towards them, the more our hearts will, be go, will go out to them. The problem is, this isn't as easy as often flipping a switch. Many of us have grown up thinking about certain groups of people a certain way. We have certain stereotypes that we have held onto in our hearts. Other, others of us have had a, a bad experience with a particular person, and that's changed the way we view those like them. And we hold on to these judgments and these stereotypes, and it clouds the way that we look at those around us. We need to fight this viewpoint. We need to fight to see people the way that God sees them by looking at his word to begin with, by looking at the way that God describes the outcast, by looking at the different ways that Jesus lived his life, the ways that he interacted with the sinners around him, the ways that he engaged with them and loved them on a daily basis. God will use that time in the word to influence the way that we look at those around us. The more we study it, the more we examine people in light of Scripture, the more we will start to have compassion for them because we will be looking at them through the lens of His Word. We'll be looking at them through Scripture and what God has to say about them. With the Holy Spirit's help, he will grow you in this day by day. Perhaps one of the greatest ways to fight a hard heart and to grow in our compassion for the outcast is to pray. It's simple 
and yet it is profound. And God works through prayer in our lives. We need to be praying and asking God when we recognize a bitter heart or we recognize a heart that maybe has just been looking at people wrong, confessing that to God and asking for his help to see people the way that he sees them. We need to ask God to soften us to those around us, to have compassion. God will answer those prayers that are according to his will, that are according to what he wants for us. And he will soften our hearts in this. He will use that time in the word even to bring those passages to mind as we look at those around us, to remind us of the truth of that scripture. And then to have compassion for those around us. With his help, as you follow his spirit, he will give you opportunities to go, Lord, to practice this. And as we take step by step, moment by moment, advantage of those opportunities, we will grow in our compassion for the outcast around us. Through all of this, God will help you to see people the way that he sees them and to grow that heart within you. The second way we can grow in our compassion towards those around us is by getting to know them. Getting to know them. It is hard to have compassion on someone that you do not know. It's hard to have compassion on a stranger. We often avoid those that we find different, maybe even repulsive in some way. And it is hard to have compassion when we treat somebody like that. But when we get to know somebody, when we build a relationship with somebody, they become our friend. And when somebody is your friend, it is so much easier to have compassion upon them in the midst of their suffering, in what they're going through. Our church partners with Hope at the Brick House. It's a local ministry within the Quad Cities that serves families within poverty, specifically helping the youth, especially in those areas. Our church is partnering with them on August 11th to host a block party. And many of you have actually volunteered to help with that event. My prayer and my hope during that time frame is that God will use that opportunity to allow you to build relationships with those in our community. And as he does so, he will allow you to build a friendship and a heart of compassion for them as you take advantage of opportunities like that. For everyone else in here, if you're looking for opportunities, you're wondering, how do I even start to get to know somebody in that way? I wanna encourage you, talk to Luke Jewell, our outreach director. He has connections within a lot of the partner ministries in the community. He can show you different opportunities where you can get involved in loving your neighbor, in getting to know who they are. And as you do, grow a heart of compassion within you. The second step we need to take in loving the outcast around us is to help them. Take action to help the outcast. Take action to help the outcast. This is what Jesus did in verses 41 through 42. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. 
And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Notice that Jesus didn't stop at pity. He didn't stop at a heart of compassion. Yes, his heart went out for the man, but he let that lead him to take steps to help the outcast around him. He acted on the compassion he had for him. Guys, we need to let the compassion that God grows within us to lead us to take action in love for those around us. This might look differently depending on their situation and on yours. Depending on your giftings and abilities that God has given to you and what they're going through in the moment. Perhaps it's, it's some way of serving them. Perhaps it's a, a way of being a friend to them. Perhaps it's even financial help. This help often isn't going to be convenient and it often isn't going to be easy. So many times it's going to cost you. In Jesus' case, because of the man's response, he was forced to live in these desolate places, these isolated locations. But Jesus didn't let that stop him from helping in the first place. Jesus took that cost and took action to help the man. Just like with compassion, you might not know fully how to help somebody until you build a relationship with them, until you get to know what they're going through. Then you often see their true need. You see the ways that you can actually be of resource and help to them. Many of the homeless, they don't need a handout. Many need to confront certain patterns in their life. They need training on how to hold down a job. They need help and how to build a resume. They need help in confronting certain sinful patterns in their life. God could use you in that way to disciple them, to encourage them, to be there for them in the midst of that. But that's gonna take time, that's gonna take energy, that's gonna take a lot on your part to be there for them. Many who are struggling with some kind of a disability, they might not just need encouragement. Hear me when I say this. It is good to encourage, absolutely do that. But go a step further as well. How could you be of practical help to somebody who is struggling right now? Maybe it's tasks around the house. Maybe that's driving them from one location in the Quad Cities to another. Perhaps that's even going with them on trips so that they have the opportunity to go places, to do things that they would never have been able to do without somebody taking the time to be a helping hand to them. Those who are different, those who might be just looked down upon, who are often rejected by those around them, they might just need a friend. They might need somebody to take their time out of their daily schedule to call them, to go do things with them. Somebody who feels alone, who feels rejected, that could be some of the greatest help, the greatest comfort, the greatest encouragement you could give a somebody. 
by being their friend. Obviously, your ability to help in some of these situations might be limited, depending on how God has gifted you in different ways. But you won't know how you can help until you take the time to get to know the outcast around you. Now, hear this. Some of you may be sitting here in this room, and there might be an internal struggle going on right now. There might be excuses going through your mind. There might be justifications going on in your heart about why you can't do this, why you can't help. Can I be honest with you? That is personally one of the biggest struggles in my life. I see what God wants me to do. I see what he's calling me to do. I see that he says, help the outcast, Eric. Love them. Be there for them. But I am so good at coming up with excuses for why I can't help or even why I shouldn't help them. I can't give them money. What are they going to use it for? I can't go to that part of town. It's dangerous. Now, please hear me. Use wisdom on how you help, absolutely. But don't let your justifications, don't let your excuses stop you in your tracks from helping at all. We need to take the time. We need to use the, gift, the gifts and the abilities and the resources that God has blessed us with to be a blessing and a help to those around us as well. As followers of Jesus Christ, this has to be a priority in our lives. This has to be something we are putting into action regularly. It can't be something that we just get around to when we have the, the time or, or when it's convenient to us. Instead, we need to follow his call, to follow his example, and to make this a regular part of our lives. This is how we love the outcast around us, by growing in our compassion for them, by taking action to help them. But there's a third point to be made in this message as well, a truth that we need to hold on to and remember. It's simple. It's something you have probably heard many times within this building, and yet it is powerful, and it is something to treasure. Remember, Jesus cares for you. Jesus cares for you. Let that sink in. Jesus cared for the leper in this moment. He showed that by what he did. He showed that by his compassion. And he has shown us the same thing by what he has done for us on the cross ultimately. He cared for us so much that he came down to this earth and was willing to take our sins upon himself to pay the price for that. And in so doing, he showed us the ultimate love, the ultimate way to love the outcast. In a room this size, I know there are there, those in here who are hurting, 
who have suffered for one reason or another. Perhaps you're sitting here this morning and you feel like the outcast. Perhaps you've been rejected by others. Maybe you have been looked down upon for one reason or another. Maybe you've been mistreated in your past. The amazing truth of Scripture is that God loves you. God cares for you. You are not alone. You have not been rejected by Him. As much as human beings have failed this, have failed you in this, He never has. His love for you is perfect, and because of that, He wants you to turn to Him. He wants you to cast your cares upon Him. He wants you to rest in His control, even over that situation that you're going through, trusting that His response is the best one. And as you turn to Him, as you trust Him, as you rest in His love for you, that is when you will experience peace, even in the midst of hardship. But I also want to challenge you to do something else as well. Reach out and ask for help, just as the leper did. The students who went on the QC plunge, they learned a lot about the people around them. They were challenged to help the outcast around them. And the people of God are challenged in that way as well. But we don't know how we can help until we hear about the need. And so I want to challenge you. Let your brother or sister in Christ know what is going on in your heart and in your life. Share that with them. Give them the opportunity to practice compassion and love in action. Give them that opportunity to be the hands and feet of Christ in your life. And then go and do the same for others. Church, I challenged you at the beginning of this message to think about those in your life, to think about those in our community that might fall into this outcast category. My prayer is that as a church, we would begin to see them as Christ sees them, that we would begin to love them as God first loved us, and that as we practice this, we would be followers of Jesus Christ, not in talk only, but in action as well. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for all that you're doing. We praise you for the different ways that you have been at work this morning through your word. We thank you for what you did all those years ago with the leper. Would you, Lord, just continue to teach us? Would you continue to impress these truths upon our hearts that we wouldn't just hear a message like this and then walk away from it? But Lord, we would put this into practice that even now you would impress upon us what it is that you're calling us to do, who it is that you want us to serve and love. Lord, we ask that you would use this time to open our eyes and lead us down the path 
that you want for us. Lord, we ask these things in your name. Amen.